Okay, we're going to turn now to God's Word. We're making our way through the book of 1 John. And, uh, yeah, I encourage you to, uh, to bring your Bible or if you want to pull that up on your phone. Um, we just encourage you to do that in this time. Uh, we have a couple more weeks in the book of 1 John after this, but it's been a wonderful uh, study through just with these messages of, of God's love and care for us. We are at uh, 1 John chapter 5, verses 1 through 5. Faith in the Son of God. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God, and everyone who loves the Father loves his child as well. This is how we know that we love the children of God, by loving God and carrying out his commands. This is love for God, to obey his commands, and his commands are not burdensome, for everyone born of God overcomes the world. This is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world? Only he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So most of you know that I that you know we don't live here anymore, but we live a couple miles that way, and our uh, we've been living there about three weeks now. And some new neighbors stopped by a couple days ago. They um, they're also part of a church, um, part of a, a Baptist church not far from there, and they have been really discouraged, <laughs> you know, just really discouraged by this time and and asking God why, and just wondering, you know, why can't we be together, and why is all of this going on, and why can't we go to church? It's just, it's a terrible situation. But this, um, the, the wife, she had a dream. She, you know, she went to bed Saturday night, you know, a week ago, just feeling discouraged and feeling like, man, when's this going to end, and why can't, and when are we going to be able to go back to church and everything? And she had a dream on Saturday night into last Sunday morning. And in this dream, uh, the church was in, there was almost like an underground church. And there were all these people sort of gathered all over in our neighborhood, just meeting, you know, in homes. And some of us have even been, been doing that, you know, just gathering with six or eight friends and, and watching the service together. Maybe, maybe there's folks at home doing that. To, uh, to uh, today even. But it was so comforting to her to think, well, you know, maybe we can't all get together, but we can still be the church. We can still be God's people. We can still serve our neighbors and love our neighbors and all that sort of thing. And she thought, I wonder if that really is happening. I wonder if there's little pockets of the church all over the place. So that's, that's her Sunday morning. She wakes up and then, you know, 10 or 12 hours later, she hears over her back fence me and Lily and Gordon and Silas. She hears us singing, Oh God, you are my God. And she's like, where, where is this coming from? What, what is this? And she starts to sing along because I had my computer on my back porch and we were all out there together 
on our Sunday night Park Lane Church Zoom call. So her and her husband start singing along, and she realizes that this is what God was saying to her in her dream. And she, you know, what was also funny was that she assured me, I don't have a lot of dreams like this. This is not something that happens to me all the time. This is totally out of the blue. And it was, she, what she heard was an answer to prayer. She, and what she heard was, you guys. <laughs> she heard us. She heard Park Lane Church gathering. I mean, scattered in our homes, but gathering. I mean, how, how else could a neighbor over on 134th hear us when we're all right here? Well, it doesn't happen, but when we're scattered and when we're meeting in homes and when we're worshiping in that way, God is using that and God's encouraging that. And, I, and when she came over, I was able to tell her about the group that's been meeting at Paul and Andrea Covey's house for all these years. That, that, that's a little bastion of the kingdom right there. And I was able to tell her about a seminary professor that lives a couple blocks away that I was able to meet with. And all these things, the church is just popping up in all these places. And it reminded me of, of Acts chapter 18 uh, where it says, One night the Lord spoke to Paul in a vision. Do not be afraid. Keep on speaking. Do not be silent. For I am with you. And no one is going to harm you because I have many people in this city. We, you know, Portland is getting this bad reputation. And there's lots of talk in the media. And there was even, you know, a killing last night downtown. But that's not the whole story. That's not the whole story because God is moving and God has many people in this city. And we, we don't go to church. We, we are the church and we get to continue being the church. We get to continue sharing our faith. We get to share the love that God has given us with other people around us. And that is how we overcome the world. That's the question of our text this morning. And that's, that's the answer. How do you overcome the world? By clinging to faith in Jesus and by sharing the love that God has given us. We overcome the world through faith and through love. So that's where, that's where we're going this morning. So overcoming the world. Overcoming the world. What, what is the world in, in 1 John and how he, how he writes about it here? Because there's lots of different definitions. Is it about culture? Is it about the globe? Is it about um, all these different things? Well, the world in 1 John is, is a place where two things are happening. First, it's, it's full of evil. It's full of evil. It's kind of like in Judges 17 where it says, There was no king in Israel. Everyone did what was right in his own eyes. That's sort of the, the time we live in as well. Everyone just sort of does what's right in their, in their own eyes. So the world, when John, when John is writing about the world, he's talking about a place that's full of evil and also a place that's ruled by, by the evil one or ruled by Satan. So God is in charge. God is still on the throne, but he has chosen to let sin and evil and darkness continue. It's it's sort of like the beginning of Job, where the tempter and the deceiver comes to God and says, will you let me pick on Job? 
Well, that's, that's happening in our world today. God is letting it continue. But do you know why? Do you know why that, that, that continues? Because God is giving people an opportunity to turn to him. It's like in 2 Peter, just in my Bible, it's a couple pages before uh, you know, this text this morning. But 2 Peter 3 says, The Lord is patient with you, and he's not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. God is so loving that he's not wanting anyone to perish, and it's worth it to him. It's worth it to him to, to bring more souls into the kingdom and to give us an opportunity to stop trusting in these other things and trust in him. There's sort of a, a, a joke or a line in the Christian Reformed Church that total depravity is the only Reformed doctrine that's easy to prove. Because we see that all around us there is, there is depravity, there's sin, there's brokenness. The world is full of pain. And yet, John is telling us how to overcome the world. How to, how to be different. You know, how to be countercultural, how to swim against the tide. When everyone else is going this way, the church moves against it. The church is countercultural. It's this, this called out group of people that maybe has a different definition of faith and love than is what is uh, shared with us. But John is saying, if you want to be part of the victors in the end, if you want to be people that overcome the world with its darkness and with its different set of values, look to your faith. Share the love that's been given us. But, but how do we do that? You know, how do we overcome the world? Verse 1 tells us that we have been born again through this a spiritual rebirth, not, not in a natural way, but, but John says that we've been born of God. And so we're living not for this kingdom anymore and the values that are of this, of this kingdom, but living for Jesus' values, for his kingdom in his way, living for him. Those two things are intention. Verse 5 tells us that you, you people of God, you people in the church, you believe that Jesus is the Son of God. We have this uh, hymn that we sing together, the first place, and it says, Jesus, the perfect picture of the unseen God. Do you believe that? Do you believe the God that none of us have seen has come in the flesh as Jesus and that we've seen all that God is like in the healing and the transformation and the love even for the outcasts and the sinners all those things that Jesus showed us. Nikki Gumbel tells this story about, uh, about a little preschool kid who's coloring, and, and his teacher asks him, young man, what are, you, what are you drawing? And he says, well, I'm drawing God. 
And the, the, the teacher kind of laughs and says, well, nobody knows what God looks like. And then the boy says, they will now. Jesus is that picture. Jesus shows us what God looks like in all his fullness. Full of grace and truth. All of God's love, all of God's justice, wrapped up in one, wrapped up in Jesus. And you know, it, it sounds, it might sound exclusive to some of our modern ears, you know, to say only, only he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God will overcome the world. But, but how can it not be that? How can it not be that? Either Jesus was the Son of God or he wasn't. And he, cer he certainly believed that he was. He certainly went around telling everyone that he was. He had a lot of chances to, to change his tune. He had a lot of chances to say, oh, no, no, don't, let's not get crazy. I'm just a teacher. I'm just a healer. No. He said, I'm the one sent to save you from your sins. I'm the Son of God. You know, C.S. Lewis says that Jesus was either a liar, a lunatic, or the Lord. And Lewis is, believes that he was the Lord, that he wasn't trying to deceive anyone, that he wasn't out of his mind, but that millions and billions of people all around the world believe today that he was the Lord, that he is the way to God the Father, that he is the only way, and that those who believe in the Son of God will overcome this world with all of its troubles, with all of its separate values, if we put our faith in him. And the important thing when it comes to faith is to remember that it's not the strength of your faith, but the object of your faith. It's not the strength of your faith, but it's the object of your faith. Because for many of us, our faith has been tested. You may feel uh, angry, you may feel upset, you may feel frustrated, you may feel like, why did God allow this to happen? Whether that's a loss in your life, whether that's this pandemic, but our faith can be way up here on one day and way down here the next. And yet, who is the object of our faith? Who is the one that we're looking for? Well, if we're looking toward Jesus and we make him the object of our faith, he's unchanging. He's that rock that we need. He's the one that we're looking to. And you know what? He's holding on to you. He's holding on to you and he's not letting go. He is secure and he's the object of our faith when we look to him. When we look to him, we overcome the world and all of these things that the world is trying to give to us. We overcome the world through faith. And lastly, we overcome the world through love. We take the love that God is pouring into our hearts and we share it with those around us. Usually that starts right in our homes <laughs> with the people right next to us. Uh, when, when Jesus said to love your neighbor as yourself, I believe he meant our literal neighbors. 
the people that are, that are right there, no matter who they are, no matter how different from us they are, no, uh, you know, no matter where they come from, whatever it is, to love our actual neighbor. Jesus had this incredible way of summarizing all of the commandments. Did you know they had 513 commandments in the Old Testament? And the religious teachers, the people like me in Jesus' time, they were saying, you have got to follow every single one of them. You've got to know all this. You've got to do all that. And Jesus, he didn't change them, but he fulfilled them. And he said, these are the first commandments. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus took all these commandments and he boiled them down into something that any one of us can memorize. And any one of us can think about and consider, how am I living these out? Just like Lynn shared with us. This is the grace you know, receiving grace, having our sins washed away, being forgiven for everything we've done, that's kind of like the easy part. We like that. But then love, loving others, that's difficult. And yet, if we're called to love our actual neighbor, what does that look like for each one of us? To love even our enemies, to love people that misunderstand Christianity or what it means to be a follower of Jesus. I believe that God is, God is using this time in a powerful way because none of us are going to look back on 2020 unchanged. It's either going to strengthen our faith or change us in some way. But that call to love in a time such as this, the, the darker things seem, the, the brighter that the light shines. God's light, God's love. And John tells us that the, the command to love, it's not burdensome. It's not burdensome. The teachers of the law in Jesus' time, when they had all those commandments, you never knew if you were right with God or not. You never knew how you were doing. And yet Jesus says, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. The command to love each other, it isn't a heavy weight. It isn't burdensome. Think about your relationships as a metaphor. Think about, uh, think about your marriage. You know, we don't wake up every morning and think to ourselves, huh, should I have an affair today? Should I cheat on my spouse? Huh, I'll have to think about that. Would that be a good thing or not? No. You think about your life, you think about your relationship, and you say, wow, this, this person has put up with me for 10 or 20 or 50 or 60 years. This person's with me. I can, do, I can trust in them. Why would I want to hurt them? And that's, that's God with us to the millionth degree. <laughs> you know, God, look at what, look what God has done for us. Look at all that he's done. He's created us. He made us. He's protected us. He's healed us. He's given his son so that we could have life eternal. And so out of that, 
out of that love, Jesus calls us to, uh, to love in his way, to love in his way, and that's to, to forgive our enemy, to turn the other cheek, to live every area of our life under his lordship. Our, our finances, our sexuality, how we spend our time, the things that we post online and how we communicate with people, all those things are the ways that we love our neighbor as ourself. And it's not a burdensome thing. It's this beautiful way that God has actually created us to live. And when we walk in step with him, it actually feels amazing. It feels great to live with purpose, to live with depth, to live with, with grace. And that is how we overcome the world with all its trials and its temptations is to live with faith, the object of our faith being God, trusting in him, looking to him, and sharing the love that we've been given in Christ, sharing it with our neighbors. In this way, we will overcome the world. Amen. Would you please pray with me? Heavenly Father, thank you for your word, which speaks to us, which grabs our hearts, which reminds us of the truth. God, wherever we are at today, whatever we're struggling with, whatever is going well in our lives, May you draw us deeper into trust in you. That we wouldn't look to anything in this world, not a, not a relationship, not an amount of money in the bank, not a certain way we want things to be, not control, but your kingdom overcoming this world, lasting forever and ever. Give us the gift of faith, Lord, and may we share love with those around us in practical ways. We ask this all in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen.